the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the first thing we need to understand is why is Canaan cursed instead of his father? This is not only important for us to understand this text, but as I said before, there is an important principle here. The justice of God, the righteousness of God is at stake. It's really an important issue. Does God punish other people when we've sinned? Does he punish our children when we've sinned? You know, there are some who would say that. Some who would say, based on Exodus 20, verse 5, let me read this to you, they would say that that's true. God doesn't just punish you, but he'll punish your children even to the fourth generation. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, You shall not worship them or serve them, speaking of idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. How many have been taught this? How many of you have heard as a child, and then repeated as a parent many years later, this is going to hurt me more than it does you? As a child, you didn't believe it and thought, what is he or she talking about? As parents, we have experienced how it hurts us when we have to discipline our children. The difference is the location of the hurt. For the children, it was their backside. For the parent, it was the heart. We could call that statement a proverb which is nothing more than a short, pointed statement that reveals a truth. Hello, I'm Jerry Pruden filling in for vacationing Peter Silseth. Welcome to Verse by Verse. The prophecy of Noah is our topic as pastor teacher Steve Kreloff takes us through the ninth chapter of Genesis. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His teaching ministry at Lakeside has now expanded to include these daily radio Bible classes. When Noah cursed Canaan, Ham's son, he was making a point to Ham. What Noah didn't fully realize at the time was that he spoke under the inspiration of God. This was a decree of God, not an angry parent. Let's listen in to hear what Pastor Steve's thoughts are on this passage. I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9. We continue our study in this wonderful first book in the Bible. And you know that the Bible has uh, much to say about prophecy. God has made many predictions, things that will take place in the future, but there are about 2,000 specific prophecies in the Bible of things that have already been fulfilled. Many of these prophecies we're familiar with, such as the prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ, which have been fulfilled. There are prophecies concerning Israel and and God bringing them together to be a nation. Many promises concerning Israel. There were promises in the Old Testament concerning the exile and then the return of the Jewish people from Babylon. There are also prophecies concerning specific Old Testament cities that were destroyed, and and God said it would happen, and it actually happened. But one prophecy we're probably not too familiar with is a prophecy made by Noah in the years following the flood. 
And that's in Genesis chapter 9. In fact, one writer called this the most far-reaching prophecy in all of the Bible. Now, that's a very strong statement. And yet, we tend to not be familiar with this prophecy. Well, after today and, uh, and next week, you'll be familiar with this prophecy. It is, uh, it is incredible. It is magnificent. And it helps us to put uh, world history in perspective. And, and I want to read it to you. Genesis chapter 9. Verses 25 through 27, just a few verses, but it actually, in broad outline, uh, tells us the, the history, the, at this point, the future, from this point, the future history of the world. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. And he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. With these few words, and they're only a few words, Noah has actually outlined the future history of the entire human race. Because these words, consisting of one curse and two blessings, are an inspired prediction of how God would deal with Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. In other words, as God has divided humanity into three families, the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, he reveals the future histories of these three families. Now, the question that we need to ask is, is this relevant for us? Is this just a history lesson? I've been talking about history, broad outlines, the future, all of that. Is it relevant for us, or is it just something that we're, we're going to study and go, well, that's interesting, it already happened? Well, um, I, I think your eyes are going to be open to a number of significant truths today, but I do think this is also relevant for us for a number of reasons. First of all, it will explain to us and put in perspective why the Jewish people are God's special people and how they are God's special people. Where did this come from? Why, why did God do this? And what is this blessing God is going to speak about? He's blessing Shem. What is the blessing? What is this about? And if we don't cover it all today, we'll get to it next week. But secondly, it also explains how European Gentiles have been blessed. And most of you have a background from Europe. Most of you are from a uh, European Gentile background. It says that Japheth will be blessed. Uh, that's where most of you are. That's the, your line. You are the sons and daughters of Japheth. It tells you how you fit into God's plan and how you can be blessed in a very, very wonderful, in fact, the most wonderful way. This also is very relevant for us, this portion of Scripture, because it ought to clarify and clear up for you a misunderstanding that many people have. Many people... Look at verse 25, Cursed be Canaan, the servants of servants, he shall be to his brothers, as justification for why African blacks have been enslaved years past. And some would take this to, uh, to believe that African blacks today should be, if not enslaved, they should be kept in, let's say, uh, economic servitude. And uh, that's a real misunderstanding of Scripture. And some of you have been taught that. Some of you believe that, that the sons of Ham are all cursed by God. And uh, we're going to clarify that this morning. So uh, is this relevant? Absolutely. There are other things that you're going to see that are very relevant because uh, immediately we have to ask ourselves a question. It was Ham who sinned against his father Noah. And yet Ham is not cursed. It is Canaan, his son, which raises a very important point. Is God just? How could God... How could God judge Canaan for what Ham did? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. Now, last week we began 
our study of this passage, and we, we looked at the verses leading up to Noah's prophetic statement, and we learned that Noah had only three sons, which was very unusual, because in that day and age, as we read other uh, statements in the first few chapters of Genesis, uh, men and, and their wives had usually many children, not just three, but Noah had only three sons, and uh, that from these three sons, the whole human race has come. The earth has been repopulated. We, we read this in verses 18 and 19. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. That's very significant, by the way. We'll look at that later. Why, why does he include this in here? In fact, twice in this passage, he says that Ham was the father of, of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. Now, we, we read also that one day, a number of years after the flood, some have suggested uh, at least 50 years after the flood, and I don't know if that's the case, but a number of years after the flood, because Canaan was already born at this point and probably uh, a lot older than, than simply an infant, but a number of years after the flood had ended, an incident involving Noah and his, his sons led to this amazing prophetic utterance. And, and this, uh, this really, this incident sets the scene for what happens later and leads to Noah making a profound statement of prophecy. Verses 20, and we looked at this last week. I would encourage you, if you were not here, to get the tape on this, but I'll briefly mention it. Then Noah, verse 20, began farming and planted a vineyard and drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, notice it once again says the father of Canaan, and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders, and they walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. Noah's sin is real obvious. He got drunk, and, uh, and he lay in his tent naked because he was hot from this. But, but Ham's sin is not that obvious. It, it, in fact, it seems foreign to our modern way of thinking. He saw the nakedness of his father. That's what the text says. It doesn't say that he did anything to him. It doesn't say that there was immorality involved in this as we would define immorality. He just saw the nakedness of his father. He went outside the tent, told his brothers. His brothers did just opposite of what uh, Ham did. His brothers walked backwards with a blanket and they covered their father's nakedness. Now, we have difficulty relating to, to this because nakedness in our culture is, uh, is such a, a common thing these days that we don't see it as quite as shameful as it was in the ancient world. In ancient times among uh, moral people, it was a shameful thing, and we're somewhat calloused to it today. Now, one Bible teacher summed up Ham's sin with these words. Listen closely. Ham's reproach was not in seeing his father unclothed, though this was a shameful thing, but in his outspoken delight at his father's disgraceful condition. The penalty against Ham's uh, son may be thought too severe for mere sibling gossip, but this is because we fail to understand the gravity of Ham's offense. Nakedness was shameful in Hebrew culture. In later Israel, Specific prohibitions guarded against, the pub, uh, against public exposure, and nakedness was commonly associated with public misconduct. It's not surprising that the euphemism nakedness was used for the shameful travesty of incest, and it is in uh, Leviticus chapter 18. 
Ham ridiculed the old man's downfall. In the ancient world, insulting one's parents was a serious matter that warranted the extreme penalty of death. Mosaic legislation reflected this statement. This patriarchal incident illustrated the violation of the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. To do so means uh, divine retaliation. It should be to, to not do so means revi- divine retaliation. For the crime is not against parents alone, but is viewed as contempt for God's hierarchical uh, order in creation. Shem and Japheth, unlike Ham, treated Noah with proper respect. They refused to take advantage of him despite his vulnerable condition. So basically, the sin of Ham was to show absolute disrespect towards his father, Noah. It was an attack on Noah's honor as not only a man, but as a father. The consequence of Noah's sin was shame. He was uncovered in his tent, made naked to his shame, like Adam was when he had eaten the forbidden fruit. Adam sought concealment of his sin by covering himself with fig leaves, Yet Noah is so destitute of thought and reason that he seeks no covering. Let's take a short break from our class to greet those who may have just joined us. We're glad you can be here. You're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is taking us through Chapter 9 of Genesis. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside, and these daily Bible classes of the air are an extension of that ministry. Pastor Steve will soon be leading a trip to the Holy Land. Perhaps you would like to come along. I'll let Pastor Steve tell you more about it. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBM. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension one. One one. That's eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. The tour dates are May fifth through the fourteenth. I hope you can join us. One more time. That number is eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. Sounds like a good trip. Call the office of Lakeside Community Chapel for more detail. Now let's get back to Pastor Steve as he continues our study. And so in response to uh, to Ham's sin, Noah, by divine inspiration, and keep that in mind, that's what, that's what makes this so significant. He wasn't just a father saying this. This is by divine inspiration, utters his prophecy concerning the future of the human race. And his first prophetic statement, surprisingly, is not directed at Ham, but at Ham's youngest son, Canaan. We read this in verses 24 and 25. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brothers. So Noah woke up, woke up from his drunken state. And uh, when his head cleared, he realized that, uh, that something had been done to him. Now, how? How did he realize this? Well, the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say how he knew. But uh, I think it's a good guess to say that when he woke up, he realized that he's, he's got a, a blanket covering him. He didn't know where this came from. Something had happened, something different, because he didn't have that blanket with him. 
And so he must have gone and spoken to his sons or spoken to others, and, uh, and they explained to him what Ham had done, and that's how most likely he found out. So moved by the Spirit of God, he says, Cursed be Canaan, not Ham, but cursed be Canaan, the servants of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Now the first thing we need to understand is why is Canaan cursed instead of his father? Why him? Why not Ham? This is not only important for us to understand this text, but as I said before, there is an important principle here. The, the justice of God, the righteousness of God is at stake. It's really an important, important issue. Does God punish other people when we've sinned? Does he punish our children when we've sinned? You know, there are some who would say that. Some who would say, based on Exodus 20, verse 5, let me read this to you, they would say that that's true. God doesn't just punish you, but he'll punish your children even to the fourth generation. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, You shall not worship them or serve them, speaking of idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on, uh, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. How many have been taught this, that that's what, that's what happens? Just, just by a show of hand, that if you send your children even to the fourth generation, well, some of you are not brave enough to raise your hands, but you've heard this. You've heard this interpretation, because I've heard this inter- interpretation. So there's something bigger here than just figuring out what, what it means in, in Canaan's life. I want you to know the Bible teaches just the opposite of the common interpretation about that God's going to punish you and your children and children, children to the fourth generation. It teaches just the opposite. And for that, for you to see that, I, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 18. We'll have Jack come up and recite this to you. Uh, I'm kidding, Jack. I'm kidding. Ezekiel, although the way he feels today, he might. Ezekiel chapter 18. You're going to find that... Uh, going into the Old Testament, and uh, you're going to have to pass Jeremiah, and, uh, and then it's going to be around there, okay? Ezekiel 18, very important passage of Scripture. Now, Ezekiel 18, the beginning of it, speaks of a proverb, a proverb that the Jewish people were reciting. Now, what are proverbs? A proverb is sort of a pithy little saying that captures a truth in just a, a few words, it, we would say it's a slogan. It's, a, it's, it's just a catchy saying. And the book of Proverbs has true catchy sayings inspired by God. But in Ezekiel chapter 18, we're going to learn about a proverb the Jewish people were saying which was not true and did not please God. Verse 1 and then verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you mean by saying this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. Now this proverb was circulating with this, the fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. Now what, what did that mean? Have you ever had a sour grape? You think you've got a great little grape there and you bite into it and it is sour. Um, you know what that does to your face? You know the old cliche, you look like you were winged on a dill pickle? That's what it looks like. It's a horrible thing and your face gets contorted and all of that. Now, the Jewish people in Babylon at this time, Ezekiel is ministering in Babylon to the exiles. The Jewish people in Babylon were using this proverb to complain that they were suffering for the sins of their fathers. In other words, what they were saying is that it's, it's our fathers who sins, and, uh, and because of their sin, uh, we're now in exile. Why are we suffering for what they did? We had no part in it. 
Fathers ate the sour grapes, but we're suffering the effects of those grapes. Not them, but us. We're experiencing it. Now, that's what, uh, that's what was going on. And they, say, they believe this was true. That was their theology. And uh, God thought otherwise. God said, you're wrong. Verse 3, as I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's not true. You're forbidden to use this proverb. It's a false proverb. Why? Because it blamed God for punishing them unjustly. That's what it was really doing. It blamed God. And, and uh, just to, to verify that, look at verse 25 of Ezekiel 18. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not right. That's what they were saying. They're saying God's way is not right. We're, being, we're suffering for something we had no part in. God says, don't use this proverb anymore. And then he tells them what the truth really is, what they missed. Verse 4, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. And here's the truth. The soul whose sins will die. The soul that sins will die. Instead of blaming others for their misfortunes, the truth is, is that God judges each individual for his own sin. That's what God means. All of your souls belong to me, and the soul that sins, it shall die. You're not suffering for the sins of your fathers. You're suffering for your own sin. Each person is accountable to God. That soul will sin. In other words, he will be judged for his own sin, not your father's sin. And that's very important for us to understand because there are, though we are thousands of years removed from this Babylonian captivity, people still blame other people for their sins. You know, my parents, it's my parents. Uh, they raised me this way. If you knew the environment that I grew up in, you'd understand why I behaved this way. People still are not taking responsibility for their own sins. And, and uh, that is the, the world we live in. It's everybody else's fault. Everybody else's fault. And many even base it on the passage or the verse we looked at, Exodus 20. Let's go back to Exodus 20 and let me explain to you the correct interpretation of, of Exodus 20, verse 5. You shall not worship them or serve them. And he's talking in context here about other gods. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the fourth, on the third rather, and the fourth generation of those who hate me. I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 5, which clarifies everything. Of those who hate me. Of those who hate me. In other words, if your children follow in your idolatrous ways, those who hate me, they will be judged for their own sin. God's not saying he's going to punish great-grandchildren because of what the fathers did. But the fathers, they're going to be punished for their own sin. But it may very well be that they've had such a negative influence on their children who have influenced their children who influenced their children that by the fourth generation, their children are still sinning. And because they are still sinning, they are going to be judged. That's the key thing of those who hate me. Nobody is judged for someone else's sin. He's talking about the fourth generation who still hate him. Matthew Henry made an interesting, provocative observation on this subject. God does not punish the children for the father's sins unless they tread in their father's steps and fill up the measure of their iniquity. 
and then they have no reason to complain, for whatever they suffer, it is less than their own sin has deserved. And when God speaks of visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, that is so far from putting any hardship upon the children, to whom he only renders according to their works, that it accounts for God's patience with the parents, whom he therefore does not punish immediately. Thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. This broadcast is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who have first been faithful to their own church. If you'd like to listen again to today's class, you can hear it at our website, versebyverseradio.org, or download it. The same is true for many of our previous classes, which are available on the archives page. Please feel free while you are there to sign up for our newsletter or our podcasting service. Both are free for the asking. Once more, that website is versebyverseradio.org. Our lesson today was the beginning of a three-part message on the prophecy of Noah. It's sometimes helpful to hear a sermon all at one sitting. We have CDs and cassettes available if you would like to order one. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Thank you for listening. We hope you can join us for the continuation of this message. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.